What's up, guys? Rick here with your DFS preview for this week's Safeway Open. That's right. I hope you enjoyed your 12 hours off for the offseason because the 2020-2021 schedule is here. Brand new schedule, brand new season, ready to rock and roll. Uh, a few announcements off the top. The Run Good One and Done starts this week. If you're just hearing about it for the first time right now, I apologize, but you have missed the deadline, so no exceptions. I can't make any more exceptions, but we got uh, over 350 users, and hopefully we'll have more next time, so keep an eye out for things to come. Uh, a quick update on the giveaway that I did last week, which was an entry into the one and done. Congratulations to Jack Young and Eden Cohen. I've already contacted you. You're already all good. Congrats. Um, and then also there was a, I got a bunch of screenshots and I'm getting a lot of screenshots and a lot of messages each week as the community grows, as we continue to have great success. I don't want to spend the first 20 minutes of the show shouting everyone out, but I do want to point out a couple of interesting ones uh, and maybe some people that I haven't mentioned before just as an opportunity to, hey, praise the wins. You know, it's hard to win at DFS or at betting, and if if you had a win, feel free to share it with me, um, and I want to share it with the community. So Matt Cullen, congratulations. He won the Mini Max, so turn that $0.25 cents into $400. That is a great contest if you want to max enter, if you want to throw a bunch of lineups into something. It's a great little contest. Um, Michael Rappel won Three hundred, or I'm sorry, nine hundred and thirty-seven dollars. Congratulations, uh, Michael Bischoff turned his two hundred and thirty-three dollars into twenty-one hundred and seventy-eight on DraftKings, and Mark Scroggins won two thousand two hundred and twenty-seven dollars. Congratulations! There were many more. I just narrowed it down to the ones that I had handy or the ones that I thought were interesting uh, at the time of recording this. Congratulations to everyone. Um, if you would like to join the community, the Rick Run Good community, get access to all of the tools that you're going to see in this video and all season long, I highly encourage you to do so. Uh, but if you'd like to win a free month, there are two ways to enter that drawing. If you're watching on YouTube, you can make sure to subscribe to the Rick Run Good YouTube channel, like this video, and tell me below who's going to win the Safeway Open. The other way is leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts for the podcast called 300 Yards to Unknown. It is the audio version of this feed, and it will be linked in the description. Leave a five-star rating and review, say something nice about the show, and leave me your Twitter handle so I can get in touch with you. Both of those ways will get you an entry to win a free month to rickrungood.com. I think that is about all we have for announcements this week because it's a short week because the tour championship ended on Monday and it's a quick turnaround this time. I'm going to try to keep the preview a little bit tight just so I can get it out there and you can consume it all. Uh, but I'll still try to get as much content out there as possible this week. All right, let's do it. Safeway open. All right. We are teeing it up in Napa, California for the Safeway open open. Silverado Resort and Spa. Yeah, it is literally a resort course. Uh, we are going to see little rough, and at least the rough will not be very penal. It is the full traditional par 72. That means you get the four par fives. And I think the most noteworthy thing about Silverado is it is one of the shorter par 72s that we get on the PGA Tour. I think there's actually only two regular par 72s that are shorter than Silverado, AT&T or uh, Pebble Beach is one of them. 
And the other one is, I cannot remember off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure Silverado is third. So what does that mean? Well, uh, Bombers, of course, I guess we'll be able to take it all, uh, take it apart even better than normal, but it does not eliminate the short hitters, right? I mean, all the par fives, which you're going to have to dismantle, I think the longest one is 560 yards, something like that. Uh, all of them are between like 520 and 560. Most of the field can get there in two or at least get it up by the green in two, depending on you know the conditions for that week. Um so I don't think it rules out the short hitters. And of course the long hitters are going to have a bit more of an advantage trying to, trying to tear this one up. I have the bent grass statistics in here. Of course we're, I mean, we've, we didn't even have an off season. We were just rolling in from last year. So that's where uh, you've got your career statistics in here for putting on bent grass. So you've got a couple of specialists that, um, quite frankly, they're, they're would be considered value plays at best. Akshay Batia. I believe is how he pronounces that. Remember, he was the amateur came on the scene. I think he's a big, tall, lanky lefty. Um, he doesn't have a lot of rounds on the PGA Tour. Only 15 of them measured, in fact. Doug Gim, that's a name we've seen before, but not as much recently on the PGA Tour. Uh, Kirdat Afi Barnrat. But um, your first real specialist that you might consider rostering would be Henrik Norlander. Norlander gained a lot of steam at the end of last season. Uh, made a bunch of cuts in a row. Had a handful of top 25 finishes. He is a guy who puts better on bent grass than other surfaces so that can that would constitute him being a quote-unquote specialist uh the anti-specialist the guys that struggle on bent compared to other surfaces uh again a lot of guys in the low six thousand dollar range that you might not be considered uh playing and then you get to charlie hoffman he's probably the first big name of guys that you actually might roster uh he is about three tenths of a stroke worse on bent grass than his actual strokes gain putting number so he's someone that i'd probably stay away from if you're interested if if you put a lot of credence into the the bent grass and the and the grass surface aspect of all of this scrolling down a little bit to the key stats Silverado we have good course history for Silverado uh, I believe it has played host for at least I mean four or five years it could be even longer than that um, this used to be the fries.com open remember all that so it's like we anyway we have good course history here and the most important of the common stats birdie or better percentage fourth that means there are only three other courses on the PGA Tour in which birdie or better percentage is more important and it makes sense, right? I mean, we haven't seen complete shootouts here. Uh, 17, 18 under par is usually the winning score, but that's deep enough. And 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 what this really means is the guys that profile as birdie or better uh, makers tend to find good success here. I mean, you look at the leaderboard from last year, Cameron Champ, who's not going to be around to defend his title, in fact... There is not a single player who played the Tour Championship who's going to be playing the Safeway Open, which makes sense because the U.S. Open is next week. So all those guys taking the week off. I mean, you can just look at, um, and you have to remember this was a year ago, but the cream really did rise to the top a little bit here at the Safeway Open. Cameron Champ won it. Adam Hadwin, Mark Leishman, Justin Thomas, all in the top five. Uh, now, those are Colin Morikawa finished 10th. Bryson finished 13th. Now, it's a it's a weaker field. Um now, some of these guys have struggled recently, like Mark Leishman, but the, the cream 
or what is available of it at the Safeway, which we'll talk about in a little bit, uh, does tend to rise to the top. And then driving accuracy and driving distance were second and third here. So I found this interesting. You know, we mentioned driving distance not necessarily being a prerequisite for success here, but also but being one of those things that is always going to be helpful. And then the fact that driving accuracy is the second most important stat, I think does uh, really cement my theory that shorter hitters are not out of it this week. Uh, because usually, if you are hitting a lot of fairways, you are on the shorter side, right? There's, there's very few guys that can hit it far and hit it accurately. So that is, uh, driving accuracy tends to be the shorter guys. So the fact that they've had such, such success here, I think it just proves my point that because this is a short par 72, no one is out of it based on their driving distance off the tee. Let's look at this week's field and ta- and see who the birdie or better percentage guys are for this week. Seamus Power leads the field in birdie or better percentage. He's $6,700, followed by Chesson Hadley at $7,000. Charlie Hoffman, a name we've already mentioned twice at 7,500 is third. And then Cam Davis at 8,900. I think that's a name you're going to be hearing a lot about. We'll talk about Cam Davis when we hop over to the cheat sheet in a second. He's someone who's probably going to make a lot of my lineups. Uh, nice to see him here racking up birdies. Denny McCarthy, um, who relies on that putter, who has been in a, a decent stretch of golf, at least at the end of last season. 7,900. He makes a ton of birdies. He's up here as well. And remember, this is all relative to the field, right? I mean, Seamus Power, yes, he leads this field in birdie or better percentage but i don't know what his let's find out what his actual ranking on the pga tour is in that category this is a a fairly weak field uh with just a handful of guys at the top i thought i could i thought i could pull it up quickly here yeah okay he's actually six so he does make a lot of birdies um Christopher Ventura, another guy you might hear a bit of rumblings about. He's 7,000. He's maturing a little bit. The game's rounding into form. Uh, Big-time birdie maker there. You'll notice there are none of the $10,000 guys here, right? None of them. I mean, there's not even a a guy above $9,000 in the first 25 guys. In fact, the first guy over... $9,000 is Harold Varner the third. He's like 20th. And then Doc Redman is like 22nd. Eric Van Ruin. They're like all in the 20s. Uh, so it's going to be a weird roster construction week. Again, we'll talk about that in just one moment. And then driving distance and driving accuracy. I'll show you those guys. Ryan Brem, Grayson Murray, Brandon Hagee, Sam Burns, Tyler McCumber all lead the way in terms of driving distance. Again, not necessarily a prerequisite. Patrick Rogers, interesting play. We'll talk about him. And then driving accuracy, you'll see when you go to driving accuracy, you lose the distance. The first guy who can kind of do a little bit of both is my buddy, friend of the pod, Doc Redman, who not only is top 12-ish in driving accuracy, he's the only one of those guys who averages it for who hits it further than 290 yards on average. He hits a 297, so that is probably the best combination, him and Josh Teeter, of accuracy and distance. Let's jump over to this cheat sheet and talk about this composition of the player pool. There are five golfers over $10,000, Siwoo Kim (laughs) leading the way, Phil Mickelson, Matt Kuchar, Shane Lowry, Brendan Steele. 
Then below that, you get Sergio Garcia and Jordan Spieth. I, I would argue, I mean, I guess maybe outside Siwoo Kim, who has played better recently, although consistency is definitely going to be an issue with Siwoo. Like, all of these guys are just here on name value alone, right? They haven't done all that much. I mean, I understand Phil Mickelson won the 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 Champions Tour event that he played a couple of weeks ago, but that was the Champions Tour. There, there's a big issue with Phil on the PGA Tour. Like, the game's not strong. We'll jump over to the uh, Strokes Gain database here, and I can pull up Phil. And his, his season ranks, you know, off the tee, uh, on approach, around uh and putting he's outside the top 100 in all of those categories the only thing that's going well for phil is his short game is is getting up and down and it's and it's because of the the wedge not the putter so he's not even being bailed out by this magical putter anymore um he does not gain uh, i mean look i mean look at this he's negative in so many different categories he's loses strokes off the tee regularly. He loses strokes on approach regularly. Uh, he loses a lot of strokes putting occasionally. Like it's just, it hasn't been a good run for Phil. I, I could not, I could not conceive a way to, to play him or invest in him. I know he's got pretty decent course history around here. In fact, I think he's actually leading the field in average strokes gained at the Safeway over the last four years. But I mean, come on, that was, I'm, 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 I'm trying to think about what he's going to do here in, uh, the 2021 season, and then Brendan Steele, who I, you know, I I generally hate the concept of paying for the guy who won back to back in 2017, 2018, and you're just paying for all this course history in a weak field. Like I, I actually don't mind it as much this week. It is such a poor field and such a weirdly um, constructed field that I, I don't think I actually mind it as much this week. I can pull up. Steals numbers here and you can see i mean his last six starts so travelers championship to the bmw championship uh he gained at least 1.8 strokes on approach so every single one he gained and he gained at least 1.8 in each single event uh he was great off the tee except at the bmw championship the putter is always going to be kind of all over the place uh you can see he lost Seven strokes at the workday. He gained nine at the Travelers on the greens. Like, it's all over the place. But when you take the ball striking, which I believe to be, you know, one of, if not the most important stats on the PGA Tour, and you combine it with the great vibes and great feels he has around Silverado, and you look at the other guys at the $10,000 range, like, Steele is is probably still the best option. And I, and I hate it. It goes against kind of the way I normally do this, but I think it's... I think it might be right this week. I could really not blame you if you wanted to start your lineups in the $9,000 range. Um, Jordan Spieth is here. I will probably not be investing in Jordan Spieth, but I do think that there is an interesting aspect of, I think Spieth is kind of so broken that he needs to like take a break and figure everything out. And I thought, the 91-day break for the COVID shutdown and him coming back to Colonial, a place that he's had success. I thought that was going to be, like, that was an interesting time to invest in him because we hadn't seen any play and if he's been working through things and if he found a fix uh, in the time that he had off, we would see it at Colonial. I also kind of feel that way here, which is, you know, he played the Northern Trust, so he played a couple of weeks ago. But if he if he found something, if he was able to work on something over the past couple of weeks, we would see it here. 
it's trying to invest early. Again, I'm not nearly as optimistic. I'm not excited about it, but there is this tiny case to be made for if you're going to play Spieth, play him now and not in future weeks. Um, I think the best option here in the nines is probably Joel Damon. Uh, let's go to his strokes gain database here and pull up his results because he has been excellent coming down the stretch. Now, he did not make the Tour Championship, but it was not for lack of trying. He finished 20th of the BMW Championship. He did miss the cut at the Northern Trust. That probably cost him. But a 10th place finish at the PGA and a 20th at the World Golf uh, championships, the FedEx St. Jude version of this. So three of his last four starts, he has compiled top 20 finishes, and those are all way deeper fields than what we are going to get this week at Silverado. This feels like a perfect opportunity for Joel Damon, who has never won on the PGA Tour, who is in the in, in the prime of his career right now, playing the best we've ever seen him play, to take advantage of this weaker field. That That, to me, feels like a very good natural starting point for lineups. And I would not even blame you for skipping everybody else at the top. Um, EVR, I like from a, a just overall long-term standpoint. However, doesn't putt well on bent. Hasn't had too much success re- success recently. In fact, we only saw him at the PGA Championship. He finished 51st there. Not as excited. I am excited. For my buddy Doc Redman, friend of the pod, 9,200. I already showed you that he is not only long, he is accurate. He is a great ball striker. He finished third at the Wyndham. I mean, he's he, his game is maturing. It's coming into form. He kind of shot himself in the foot a little bit by missing the cut at the Northern Trust, and he ended up finishing one spot out of the BMW Championship. He was the bubble boy. He finished 71st. So, unfortunately, he wasn't able to... Uh, extend his season, but now with a couple weeks off, interested to see how Doc comes back. And then I kind of want to live. I want to live here. Uh, Like Doc Redman, Harold Varner at 9,100, Cameron Davis at 89, Cam Davis coming in with four consecutive cuts made, no worse finish than 32nd. We saw him touch the lead at the Wyndham Championship before he kind of imploded, I guess is probably the best way to put this. And that's okay. He's a 25-year-old Australian who has a ton of raw skill. He's going to put himself in contention, and he's going to fail. And that's that happens a lot for young golfers. But the more you put yourself in there, the more scar tissue you build, the more comfortable you are the next time. Uh, two trips to Napa, missed the cut last year, finished 17th two years ago. I'm gaining a lot of steam on Cam Smith this week. Not gaining steam on Keegan Bradley. Let me show you the holy grail for a second. So this is a tool, if you've not seen this tool, it's my favorite tool in the whole world uh, because you can just filter and slice anything, any way in terms of the strokes gain data for the last six seasons. And what I want to actually do is pull up, uh, I think I did, did I do it since the restart or did I do it since, let me see what I did here, 6-1-2020, since the restart. And then I sorted this by uh, basically the worst guys in the field. And this is their average strokes gained since the restart. And you can see all of these guys who are at the bottom of the field, they're all under $7,000, every single one of them. Then you get to Harry Higgs, he's 7200 But the first couple of guys that pop off that are really struggling, I mean, Brant Snedeker, he's the first guy over like $7,500 when you sort by the worst golfers. And he's 9300 He's losing a half a stroke to the field over his last 24 rounds, like 
I could not I could not touch that. Uh, Keegan's been bad too. Where's Keegan on this list? Grillo's on here. Oh, here's Keegan. Keegan's eighty eight hundred dollars. He's lost strokes uh, to the field since the restart. There's only a handful of golfers who have done that that are over like seventy five hundred. So it's Keegan. It's Emiliano Grillo. It is uh, well, Danny Lee. He's withdrawn, so he's out. And then Snedeker. Basically, those three guys are the only three guys over $7,500 who have lost strokes to the field in the restart. So I I can't imagine I'll be investing too much in those three, even though they're kind of more householdy names that when you get a field like this, people want to play the household names. I'm not nearly as interested. I can stay over here and show you the top of this list. So what I've got right now is uh, since the restart, Every golfer in this field loaded in, sorted by their total strokes gained. Uh, Chris Baker actually leads the way. He's $6,400. So when you get down into the sub-7K of any field, it starts to get pretty ugly. When you start to get down into the sub-7K of of the first event of a season that is pinned immediately between the Tour Championship and the U.S. Open, it is going to be really ugly, okay? So if you can get Chris Baker, who's gaining over a stroke, uh, per round to the field. Now I understand it's only 12 rounds. He's only played three events, uh, or I think, I don't know if it's three events or four events. I think it's gotta be three events. It's only 12 rounds. It's uh, a very small sample size, but the, the way he's also doing it is via approach, which is always a good sign. Will Gordon is second on this list. Henrik Norlander is third. Cam Davis, see that name again, is fourth. Those are the only four guys in this field who are averaging over one stroke uh, gained per round since the restart. Sam Burns is fifth. Siwoo Kim is sixth. Brendan Steele is seventh. Harold Varner the third is eighth. So that then it goes. So th- those are the guys that I'm living with right there. The the uh, Norlander, Davis, Steele, Varner. Um, then you go down a little bit further. You get Doc Redman. You get Wesley Bryant. Like that. Uh, that sounds like a core to me, right? I don't know if all those guys can get into a lineup, but those are the guys I'm going to live with because I think they are the class of this very weak field. Uh, we can talk about uh, Wesley Bryant and uh, here as well. Let's let's pull up Wesley Bryant's numbers. So I want to go to tournament data. We'll do Wesley Bryant. You have to remember Wes Bryant. Um, he basically missed two full seasons with a shoulder injury. Uh, he had surgery. I think I think he tried to play through it for a while. Then he had surgery and he missed another year. So he basically, basically missed two full seasons. He just came back. So he only played four events in 2020, and it was after the restart. So it was RBC Heritage, Travelers, Rocket Mortgage, and Wyndham. Uh, the last three, no worse than a 31st place finish. He made the cut in all four. And if you look at this number right here, it's the strokes gained approach. Absolutely lights out with his approach game. Lights out. He was phenomenal. Um, he's a streaky putter. We saw him roll some putts in at Rocket Mortgage. We saw him be bad at Wyndham and the RBC Heritage. But the big thing about Wes is this. He is one of the shortest hitters on the PGA Tour, which normally kills you, right? I mean, there's just it's just so hard on the PGA Tour. Uh, however, I've already mentioned shortest or one of the shortest par 72s that we get on the schedule. So if there's ever a place... To deploy someone like a Wes Bryan, I think it's right now. 
Uh, Mark Hubbard at 8,100, certainly gaining steam. He's made five straight cuts, a couple of uh, top 30 finishes in his last handful of starts. He finished 13th in, in here last year. Certainly have no problem playing Mark Hubbard. I have no problem playing Denny McCarthy. I have no problem playing Patrick Rogers at 76. So Patrick Rogers, he's interesting because um, he does hit it a long way. Okay, he he's one of the long. I think he's 18th in driving distance on the PGA Tour. Um, he pops up occasionally, right? Top 20 at the Memorial, top 20 at the Barracuda, finished 32nd at the 3M. He makes a lot of cuts, and then he's had a a, a good run of success here, I believe, at this event. So let's find the full history. For Patrick Rogers. Here we go. So he's played here six times. He's made the cut in four of his last five, and he has a sixth place finish in 2016. When you put all that together, yeah, I think I could probably be convinced on Patrick Rogers. That's okay. What else do we have down here? Um, I, I won't really probably buy the, the Charlie Hoffman thing. I know he's popped up a, a handful of times in the last couple of weeks. He's alternated, you know, seventh at the workday, then a missed cut. 25th at the Barracuda, then a missed cut. 13th at the Northern Trust, then this week, maybe a missed cut. Um, he's only played in Napa twice, missed the cut in both of those. He's just wildly inconsistent. He is essentially a bent grass anti-specialist, not someone that I'm too particularly keen on rostering. And I wonder if I do start my lineups in the $9,000 range and I avoid all of that 10K stuff, I'm not even sure I have to go too much lower down the board than this, right? I can live with Wes Bryan, Patrick Rogers uh, as potentially being my last guys into my lineup. I wonder if that I'll have to, I haven't obviously haven't started constructing lineups yet, but I do wonder if I even have to go this low. Uh, Christopher Ventura is here at 7,000. I mentioned him earlier. He popped up on the key stats a bit. So he's someone that he doesn't really do it the way that I like. He's not a very good approach player. He's not very good around the greens, but um you can put you can put some finishing positions together. Oh, Zinzun Zhang, uh, seven thousand dollars. Interesting. Uh, if you want safety, go in a different direction. Uh, because in his last six starts, he's missed the cut in four of them, but the other two, he finished tenth at the Memorial and twelfth at the 3M, and he's only played here twice, and in, that includes a seventh place finish last year in Napa. So uh, it would be a a wild flyer. I'm not super excited about it. If you wanted a safer option at the same price point, you could go with Adam Shank. Adam Shank, I think, has made six straight cuts coming into this. He's $6,900. He's He has missed two of his three cuts here at Silverado, but uh, his his one made cut was a 14th place finish. So a little bit of, of more safety in a already volatile pricing tier even more volatile by the types of golfers that you are getting here this time around because of the weaker nature of this field. Um, I'm probably not going much lower than this. I talked about Chris Baker at $6,400, three straight cuts made coming in, including a 20th place finish at the Wyndham. That's the last time that we saw him. I am probably not going any lower than this. There are some pretty sour names down here at the bottom of the board. A lot of missed cuts, a lot of... Uh, strokes lost to the field, just a lot of struggling golfers. And if I'm going to construct a more balanced build, I probably don't need to go this low. I do want to run one custom model before we get out of here because uh, especially in a week like this, I think it's important because there's so many new names. There's so many variables. I think we should, we should run a custom model. So what I'm going to do, um, 
I know that, uh, what was my, oh, birdie or better. Birdie or better was a very important stat. So we're going to put 30 of our weights on birdie or better. We're going to do um, 20 on accuracy and 20 on distance. Now, those could be two separate types of golfers, but if you find the intersection, like I think we might find with Doc Redman, I think we might find with, like Josh Teeter might show up okay on this on this model as well. Um I think that's important. Par fives. I'm going to do 15 on par fives because there's four of them this week and we haven't had a par 72 in quite some time. And then I have 15 weights remaining, which I'm just always going to go back to my favorite strokes gain from T to green. And we're going to run this model and oh boy, am I in trouble? Uh, (laughs) Johnny Vegas is my number one golfer. Do I hate that? Or do I hate that? He has been so poor uh, and missing a ton of cuts. I mean, I get it. He's he's very good off the tee. He does make enough birdies. Uh, I will not blindly follow the model this week. Um, maybe I'll get a couple of lineups with Johnny Vegas just in case. But I I am going to to veto the the model. I think on that one. Uh, Cam Davis finishing second. That's no surprise. Playing well coming in. Mat- matches up on the birdie or better stuff. That makes complete sense. Uh, Seamus Power. Cheston Hadley. Harold Varner III, Will Gordon, EVR, Josh Cheater, Doc Redman. Those are my top guys. Kevin Streelman's next. Uh, notice again, there is not a single golfer over $9,500. I think that, and this might come back to, to bite me here, I really kind of think that 10 k range is a farce this week. I think it's a farce. I, I just think you are paying for first first event of the season, name recognition, there's not a lot up there to be excited about. I I think I'm avoiding it. We'll see as the week goes on, but everything that I do kind of cements that notion for me. All right, that's it. I tried to make that tight. That was just as long as every other video that I ever do. So uh, sorry about that. I'll get this posted as quickly as possible. If you have any questions, any comments, want to talk about this, tweet me at Rick Rungood or leave a comment below. Best of luck this week, and here's to the 2021 season. Good luck.